Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We have today, we have a return appearance uh, by Seth Hatena, who has a book out called Trump Russia. Great book, not the most original title. I'm going to say that right now, Seth. But, 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 oh, I guess, you know, that's, no, didn't it start with a blog? You, you started doing a blog that was yeah. Trump Russia, and that's the, the evolution of the name. Yeah. You know, we did a, we did a podcast uh, about Seth's book. I don't know, maybe three months ago, three or four months ago. I don't. It was over the summer. I want to say. Yeah, right? I guess maybe yeah, in the May, summer. May, May. I want to say. Was it really that yeah, early? I, I think don't. So. I'm not sure it was. In any case, uh, as I said then, I'm a big, big fan of this book. It's it's uh, one of the ones. I don't have a. I don't have a lot of time to read books about politics, frankly, because it's what politics I do every day. So I tend to kind of, you know, glance at things and put them down. I went all the way through this one. It's really, really good. Seth is a, um, you know, we've been following Seth's work from for like a dozen years because Seth was one of the guys on on what for us is one of the um, sort of archetypal canonical public corruption stories of of the early 20th uh 21st century anyway we're going to get to all that we we wanted to talk with seth again because there there are things in his book that just look a little different become a little more um resonant and immediate because of what we have found out over the last 48 hours about Michael Cohen and this project for a Trump Tower in Moscow that was happening not just at the very big be- tailing off at the very beginning of the presidential campaign but like almost all the way through the presidential campaign yeah. it's 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 crazy past the convention yeah sure. exactly so okay so uh before we get to um before we get to Seth, let me quickly remind you that uh, the Josh Marshall podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. If you love cold brewed ice coffee, you know how expensive your habit can be. We're talking four to five bucks for a cup of coffee at the local coffee shop, over $100 a month, and that's just money. Now add up all the time you spent waiting in lines at the coffee shop. It's not exactly convenient. Luckily, there's a better way. Order Grady's Cold Brew online and have it delivered straight to your door. You don't have to go. You don't have to go anywhere. Of course, you want it straight to your door. You can pour a glass of Grady's famous cold brew straight from your fridge for less than a buck a cup, saving over a thousand dollars a year. And shipping is always free. Are you ready? Ready to give it a swirl? Get twenty percent off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. Uh, before we get started, let me say hello to my co-host David Tainer. Hey Josh, how are you doing? Good. Nice to be here. Yeah. Well, it's been it's it's we've been back in that mode where where like this is one of those weeks yeah. where. A lot of time in the some, studio. There's yeah. something new. Well, not time in the studio, but there's just something. There's yeah. new news, like like every every moment. Yeah, absolutely. Seth, explain to me what we have learned over the last forty eight hours through the prism of what you learned in the course of writing your book. Well, Michael Cohen's plea, second plea, I guess, was uh, kind of a ground. It shook the ground. Um, you know. Uh, the, the funny thing about this story is that this information is all out there, and then it takes a. Uh, uh, there, there seems to be uh, reporters who won't touch certain stories for various reasons, but this one, this plea deal, forces everyone on the same page. And where we are now is Michael Cohen has admitted that he lied to Congress. 
he lied about a project in Moscow called Trump World Tower that was uh, originally what he told Congress was that it, he had limited no contact with Trump and it was something to pursue on his own. And it uh, petered out in January or something like that. That wasn't true, he says now. And now the tower continued and Trump was deeply involved in the tower. So was so were members of his family, we've learned. Um, and the tower work continued, as you mentioned in the setup, you know, past the convention. Uh, Trump is winning primaries. He's the GOP nominee, and he's still trying to build a tower in Moscow. Now, you know, it would be one thing if it would be bad enough if he's trying to build a tower um, with and he's negotiating with Russian business officials. What he's doing, what's going on is they're no, no, negotiating with the Russian government. These are government officials. Right. Uh, and no one seems to notice that that's unusual, that the government's suddenly involved in a, uh, in a, in a real estate deal. And, you know, we just keep learning new facts. So th- they were pitching Putin to have the penthouse of this building. I mean, right. literally, Vladimir yeah. Putin to have the penthouse. A fifty million dollar. I don't know where they came up with that number, but uh, I mean, I guess they you were can, just you know, if you're setting the price, you can call whatever you <laughs> I want. I guess so. They were just going to give it to him. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah which is a big no-no. But you know, <laughs> not allowed. But you know what the reason? You know why they were going to? So what? You know, because it would drive up the price of the rest of the units. Because then all the oligarchs are going to flock to this building to be near Putin. Right, right, right. And just. Just pay whatever to be in his. You just know. to run into him in the <laughs> elevator, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Paul Manafort did at Trump Tower. Yeah, know? so yeah. And, 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 and let me just add this: so it's bad enough if it's Russian business. It's bad enough if it's government officials. It's even worse because there are intelligence people involved in this deal, and and sort of on both sides of the Russian government, Russian business, you got ex intelligence people or people in government who are. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the speculation I would like to see is, is was this whole thing an intelligence operation of some kind? Um, you know, w- Trump has been chased, and this is in my book, but Trump has been, this is the shiny object the little in, that he's wanted forever. He's been going to Russia since like 1987, looking at real estate deals. He's been, his first overseas project in 96 was going to be not in Toronto or not in uh, London, but in Moscow, and that didn't. You know, that wasn't didn't there happen. also there was, but there was a trip back in the eighties, yeah, right. Which, yeah. which, so this goes back yeah. 30, 30 plus years. Yes, his thing with with Moscow. Yes, let me ask you this: Do we now? I think you talk. You know, it's always one of these things. The guest needs to kind of like finesse, like, "Oh, I read your book, sure." You know, but I read your book. But it's been a but it's been four or five months now, so I'm not yeah. I'm not crystal clear. Wasn't there? There's a thing where the '80s era, which is obviously the Soviet era, trip to Moscow. He gets chatted up by someone in the U.S. first, and right. that leads to what? What was the story there? So the the '87 trip is the most interesting and the most unexplored of all his many ventures in Russia because you know this is Donald this Donald Trump's not a national figure at this time he's kind of a local uh, you know local tabloid figure in New York right basically. like the local you know uh, local kind of big mouth real estate developer yeah guy in the New York Post and the Daily News but not much else beyond that and uh, so he is at a uh, dinner and the Soviet ambassador is there and uh, you know, according to Trump, uh, you know, that he wows the Soviet ambassador with his amazing personality. Right. That, you know, the Soviet ambassador's daughter has written a little interesting story that it was actually, uh, you know, 
it wasn't hard to figure out Trump was susceptible to flattery. That's what they did. And they extend this invitation for him to come expenses paid to Moscow. So he, he flies with Ivana on July 4th, of course. And they, they land in Moscow and they're tooling around and seeing sights. And, um, you know, what's, in, what's interesting to me is what happens when he comes back. So he goes over there to scout real estate deals ostensibly. He comes back, and within a few months, I think it was not much longer after he returned, he's announcing that he's hinting about a run for the presidency. And he takes out ads in the New York Times and the Washington Post saying things like, uh, you know, Japan is taking advantage of us. Literally, mm -hmm. Japan is taking advantage of us. Uh, politicians around the world are laughing at us. Right. You know, the same kind of shtick that we hear today all the time. And, um, you know, those are, those are KGB talking points mm -hmm. to drive a wedge between the U.S. and Japanese alliance. And um, he is picking up, he, somebody talked to him somewhere and, you know, influenced him. Right. And uh, it's... And, and so his his sort of first documented interest in national politics as like, I'm going to run for something, yeah. is really closely tied in time with his first jaunt to Moscow. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. So, so there's, I don't know, uh, at least three projects, efforts, you know, at various points over that 30-year period yeah. to... to um, to, to build a thing in in in, in Moscow um, do you have a sense uh, it, you know if we can if we can um, if we can set aside yes that he became a Russian agent in 1987 or something like that do we have a sense I mean Moscow is a is a you know is a global historic city it's right. not just any city right but I've never heard of Trump being like, I need a Trump Berlin or right. I need a Trump Paris yeah. or a Trump Tokyo. There's a lot of cities out there, yeah. but there really does seem to have been this fixation. Yeah. So setting aside any maximal theories, do we have a sense of why? Uh, why he was so interested in Moscow? Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't answer. To be honest with you, I don't know. I, I think he was captivated by it early. Uh, I, th I, if I can speculate a little bit. Yeah, of course. So look, Trump, you know, is not somebody like Trump is not going to go over well in London. He's not liked in Paris. You know, Canadians are pretty reserved. He's too brash. He's too big. But in Russia. They they're exuberant. They're big. They're big, colorful characters. And someone like Trump, you know, he's he's welcome and he's loved in Russia still to this day. Right. Right. And I think he that's something that matters a lot to Trump, as we know, that he he needs to be loved. He needs right. to be adored. And he was adored in Russia. So I always I always come back to that, that he there was this natural kind of symbiotic. Right. You right. Know, well, it seems it's certainly. It's one thing in the Soviet era, but certainly in the post-Soviet era, when you um, you have a whole very brutal culture based on maximal and showy and gauche wealth mixed with violence right. and over-the-top personalities. I mean, yeah, that's Trump land, yeah, right? Totally, so, totally. And, and, and uh, if we're talking 1987... That's the very, very late Soviet era. It's almost into the the post-Soviet oligarch, right. you know, just coming up on that. But it's still the Soviet era, and that's another interesting thing. So, you know, this this is the – you could call Trump maybe the uh, – uh, an embodiment of a certain kind of American capitalism. 
you know, Warren Buffett might be another example, and Trump's at this other end. But so the Soviet Union is bringing a, a very public, very brash millionaire to Russia. Now, the Soviet Union has abolished private wealth, and it's a place where millionaires are still being lampooned as fat cats and top hats, and they're, they're, li- they're ridiculed and laughed at. Mm-hmm. So why bring a millionaire on a public tour to it just there's something really odd about that whole setup and right i think he was being he was being watched and being you know um being studied and maybe uh, you know you can go down a dark rabbit hole but right. maybe, maybe being groomed you know? right right well it's it's most of the most of what seemed like rabbit holes two years ago are just like very conservative cautious <laughs> appraisals at, the, at at this point so let me ask you this one of the one of the big things in in your book is trump's history with organized crime right. both the version of organized crime that is still the sort of the pervasive one in American popular culture, which is uh, Italian-American organized crime, and then evolving into uh, post-Soviet emigre organized crime. Uh, Felix Sater comes entirely out of that world. Right. He's the one who was was working most closely with Michael Cohen on this, on this last uh, uh, project in 2015, 2016. And Michael Cohen was new Felix. They knew Felix as teenagers. Yeah. So they go way back and they both, even though uh, Michael was born in the United States, they're both in that kind of Brighton Beach, emigre kind of scene. Right. So when, we, when you look at this, the stuff we have found out in the last 48 hours, interpret that through the prism of the Cohen-Sater relationship. Okay. Um well, Felix Sater's whole reason for being in the Trump organization seems to have been to bring to get this Trump Tower Moscow to happen. And he made trips in 2005, I think it was, uh, and he they were negotiating over the site of this former pencil factory. And, you know, that that collapsed. Uh, that was before Michael Cohen was even in the Trump organization. Um, Michael Cohen comes in and um, they are. You know, they Felix. I think Felix has been a little misunderstood. He gets, he's you know, yes, he has a he has a, his dad was a mobster, and yes, he's a felon, and yes, he did this Wall Street scam, but he's not some like uh, he gets he gets pulled into this world where people are controlling Trump and he's part of this. I think he's just an operator. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he is. He's just a he's just a guy. He's just an operator, and he saw an opportunity to. Uh, get this tower uh, rolling, and he pitched Cohen on it. And they're, you know, they're, they they know each other, and Cohen is going for it. And there's other things that have happened at this time. So Cohen, you know, early on in the in the Trump campaign, Cohen was like the point guy. Yeah. Right. And then he had this famous kind of conversation. I think it was with the with Brianna da- Keeler, the Daily Beast, where oh oh yeah yeah yeah, we're, we're uh, with uh, yes, where he. Like I'm gonna, or raping your wife is. <laughs> what, I forget what the. Detail. He he basically Cohen said in in Cohen said, look, legally you can't actually rape your wife, so right. this is stupid. Right. When you you can, that's, right. that's not what the law says. Right, and he's and I'm gonna rip your. I'm gonna yeah. yeah what he, I'm gonna do he, to you is gonna be disgusting. Yeah, he he. Th- this was uh, I think it was Tim Mack. Yes. Uh, at the at the Daily Beast, yes. who's now I believe at NPR, um, doing the piece and Cohen. You know, he's in his full 
you know, Sopranos heavy right. on behalf of Donald Trump kind of mode. Right. And he, as you said, kind of like, you print this. I'm going to do you ugly. You'll never survive and all this right. kind of what crap. What I'm going to do to you is going to be absolutely disgusting. <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the line yeah, that exa- sticks in my head. Exactly. exactly. So he, that, that hurt him. So he right. was kind of shoved aside. And I think this tower may have been his way to, you know, get Build ba- back his get credit back in. in. The, yes. Yeah, interesting. You know interesting. what I mean? That he's really on the outs and he knows his boss has always wanted this this shiny object, this yeah, tower in Moscow, yeah. and here's his buddy Felix Sater. That, that yeah, that they've known each other since they were teenagers in Brighton Beach, and they're gonna you know, and the Felix Sater has these emails, you know, buddy boy. You know, Felix Sater almost seems to understand this on some level, like buddy boy, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get, uh, you're, we're gonna get Trump elected, and we're gonna get Putin on the program, and and we're gonna make this happen, and it's gonna you know. Um, and I think that's that's the kind. It's almost like a Goodfellas kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. it, you know. That's what it was. I think. Well, it's also very one of the things about the because we we've, we've known some of those emails for a long time. And what's very weird is that they treated as a given that the fact that Trump builds a building in Moscow, like that's going to seal the presidency deal. Right. Whereas even if you take out all of the the weird foreign policy externalities, no one cares if you, I mean, that's just not, that's never going to be anything in terms of whether Donald Trump, so it's kind of weird what world they're living in and they're, but they're, they're getting themselves sort of juiced up and excited and everything. Okay. So, so let's ask this. So if that is the case, in some sense, even if Trump knows about it, Cohen is partly motivated to get back in his boss's good graces right. because he kind of screwed up on the right. on the on the Daily Beast story. So does that mean well maybe it doesn't have anything maybe there's nothing nefarious coming from the Russia side. How does that fit all fit oh, together? I, I think there's something super nefarious okay. coming from the Russia side. I, you know um I think uh you know th- what th- and the reason why Putin so Again, this distinction between I, I tried to draw at the outset that it's one thing to be negotiating with Russian businessmen. It's another thing to be negotiating with Russian government officials. Because what is happening is Putin is looking for leverage. He's looking for leverage in a million different ways. Yeah. This probably goes on in every campaign, mm-hmm. but most people have sophisticated campaigns that just sh- shut the door on these things, right? Right. right. But here, there's, there's the doors are all open. You know, come on in. And you've got George Papadopoulos out there you know, meeting with this shadowy professor, uh, Mifsud, right, who's telling him about emails that the Russians have. You've got, um, you've got the tower deal going on. You've got Roger Stone and his band of merry men who are trying to get the goods from WikiLeaks. Right, right. You've got Paul Manafort coming into the campaign in March 2016. These, all these things are coming together right, right. at one time. And, uh, you know, again, so the fact that you have intelligence people and, and government officials and intelligence people involved in a real estate deal. Right. You know, there's. I think Putin was looking for leverage, and he got it because Trump was just wide open and just, just you know, maybe he thought he wasn't going to win, and he was. This was all a lark, and and he's and. But now, what's happened, and the reason why Michael Cohen is pleading guilty, is because the lie has to be maintained. Trump has to be protected, and part of Cohen's lie uh, 
was that Trump didn't know when right. in fact he did. Right. And part of and it's all about these lies. It's all that everyone is lying. George Papadopoulos is lying. Uh, Michael Flynn is lying. Roger Stone, I have no doubt, is probably lying. You know. Uh, you know. And uh, you know. They're they're all lying to. I think because there's. We're only seeing parts of the picture here, but all with all these events coming together, there ha, there it would be Powerball odds if these things weren't coordinated. Right. Uh, and what we're not seeing is the information flow going up to Trump and coming back down and being ferried back out to Russia. Right. So is when when we let, let's talk about Seder for a second because okay. I take your point that like it's probably wrong to see. Felix Sater as some sort of like Russian government agent that he's just, you know, that being a businessman's a cover and he's right. an operative. But he does he he has lots of ties into the oligarch organ, you know, Russian organized crime world. Right. Uh into the government world at least to an extent and those worlds obviously overlap yes. in in significant ways. So, um even if he is, you know, even if if, if it's just, um, you know, mutual interest, it seems to me that, you know, he's talking to lots of people over there. Totally. And he says, you know, Trump's running. I, I know Trump. I can bring, you know, I can, I can, do you want to talk to Trump? So it's a, it's a sort of a channel of information that they want. And as you say, this comes not not that long after the initial UK, Ukraine Crimea crisis. Right. Russia is hit by these sanctions. Right. They really want to get out of under that. They really don't want Hillary Clinton to be president. Right. So they're kind of looking for every angle, and right. and they probably know historically because you know even if we don't have a maximal view. Trump's been in the mix with these guys forever, and they know he's a purely transactional guy. Totally, he's not going to say like. I'd like to make that money, but I'm now a politician, right. and I, I need to think about America. Or, like that's not going to happen. Or I won't do business with you because you have a criminal record. You know, or yeah, or, yeah that's you, not going to happen. Right? He'll take money from anybody. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, then they know that. Yeah. And that that's why I don't really. Um, you just posited, and many people do, and it may, it's it's clearly a, a a good thing to posit that you know maybe he's doing all this stuff because he didn't think he's going to be elected, and right. kind of so it's never you know the shit's never going to hit the fan. Right. No one cared. No one's going to care two years later that failed presidential candidate Donald Trump also was trying to negotiate a hotel deal. Right. My sense is I'm not even sure we have to posit that no. because like it, it's it's. I see him as more, you know, almost what he said in that tweet like yesterday. Am I not supposed to take up take opportunities where I find them? Right. Am I a chump? Right. You know, I just don't think it. I just don't think it occurs to him. And and right. and especially, I I don't think to this day. And this is where it's not a matter of naive. It's a matter of like political amorality. I don't. I just don't think he thinks. This is a good deal for me, but it really kind of it, there's a there's a it's not good for the country. Just, 
That, right. that calculus is just alien to well, him. Well, the key word I think you hit on is amorality. You know, I don't know if you remember this New York Times op-ed by the uh, anonymous oh, yeah, 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 senior, yeah, exec, yeah. Uh, senior Trump official. Yeah, whatever that term of art was that they used. Yeah. So the line in there is the, the root, this is the quote, the, the root of the problem is the president's amorality. He is an amoral man. There, there is no principle he won't betray. There is no relationship he won't throw under the bus. There's no m- money he won't turn down from no matter who it is. And that's who Donald Trump is. He isn't, that, you know, that's who our president is. He's an amoral businessman who is friendly to the, will do, he's a mob friendly businessman. You know, right, as I right, said right. last time I was here. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I think, um, you're right. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to argue. There's no. I don't think he. I don't think he thinks the way. He's shameless. He doesn't think like, oh boy, this is going to look bad if I get elected, or you know, maybe I shouldn't. Do, he's. It's just money, and money yeah. is green, and that's it. Right. Right. So, what are the? What are the? Um, what are? So we we assume that what Michael Cohen has pled guilty to lying about is just part of what he is sharing and this is kind of he needs to plead to this to kind of uh you know get in the picture with robert Mueller and 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 sort of gain credit uh towards not spending a significant uh, period of time in prison right what do you see as as the net knowing knowing these guys backgrounds what do you expect next? What 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 are things that that based on 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 your you know voluminous reporting on on these guys that you expect to hear? Well, I you know I, I just to take your point a little further. So uh, you know Michael Cohen, um, I think I think there's a clearing of the decks here. So Michael Cohen, we know already he's recorded his own client. You know, this is a guy who keeps receipts, right? Right, right, right. This is, he may have detailed notes. He may have other tapes. But if you're going to introduce those things as, as evidence, you've got to clear the decks here. And I think that's what's happened is that Michael Cohen has has been resolved. Of all his all his criminal liability has been cleared now. He's accounted for it. He's taken responsibility, and now he can be a, a useful witness. Right. And I think right. that's so. That's one thing I expect to see is uh, more. Detailed, and you know, he spent seventy hours talking to the the, the um, Mueller's special team. counsel's office. So I think there's going to be more coming from that. You know, Don Jr. has huge liability here. Um, you know, he said he had nothing to do with this Trump Tower project. I think flat out said that under oath. Uh, you know, then Trump himself just like a big boy wrote his own answers to the uh, special counsel's questions, and we don't know what he said, but. You know, he could be on the hook. You know, we don't know what the answers are. But if if he is saying the same thing his son is that he had no involvement with this Trump Tower project, you know, he he can be he could be prosecuted for the same lying charge that everybody else is being prosecuted for in this whole right, case. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I I I was also interested that that Mueller's office did not have to add that family line. To that, right. uh, I guess criminal information or whatever the uh, you know the legal document was, that that seemed clear to kind of say like, it's not just you. Right. And we we know your kids were involved too. A lot of them have uh, at least some of them have testified. So that seemed like a real kind of shot across the bow. Totally. And I think Robert Robert Mueller doesn't tweet. He doesn't leak. He's like a submarine that periodically surfaces, and then you're like, well, how the hell did it get over there? And uh, you know what I think he is doing maybe he's communicating with with his court filings and one of the audiences may be congress 
that Congress, you know, that Devin Nunes has not been very forthcoming with transcripts. I, I'm guessing here that, you know, just- I think they that actually I, I was watching an interview with uh, not Adam Schiff, but another member of that committee. And he actually said that the reason that the charging document, criminal information or whatever, uh, had to reference a letter that Cohen sent and a Senate transcript because the House has not shared anything. Right. None of the transcripts. Exactly. Which is really like shocking. Yeah. Like what like does the House of Representatives see a a federal prosecutor as like an adverse party to itself? I mean, that's weird. Apparently. Yeah. Well, clearly they do. But it's, <laughs> it's worth recognizing that that is a strange right. thing. So one of the audiences here, I think, is Adam Schiff. You know, and I think that he's he's I've seen statements from him saying we're going to be sharing this information with the special prosecutor. Right. And that, you know, so you're asking what's coming next. You know, people are going to be going over those those transcripts with magnifying glass looking for what was said and, and you know, where that lines up with Michael Cohen's new information. And clearly, you do, know. Do we have a clear understanding at this point of why this deal eventually fell apart? We know that there's that thing where where Michael Cohen, I believe on June 14th, tells Felix Hader, hey, I'm not I, I can't go to Moscow. That's off. Right. But that's that doesn't mean that the, the deal's off. It, I've heard conflicting accounts of this. You know, I don't know. But you can look at the timeline that the day he said the deal's off is the day the Washington Post reported that. The first report of the hacks of right, the DNC. Russia had penetrated the campaign. Yeah. That's very interesting timing. Um, but I can't take it beyond. You know, I wish I could. I, yeah. I wish I could. I, I wish I, you know, knew what Robert Mueller knows at this point. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been sort of wondering because you can certainly – you know the idea that they were thinking he was going to go and that the idea that any of this was happening is totally insane to start with right but you can even still be fairly insane and like you're like all right we're negotiating with like vladimir putin this great business deal and like whoa there there's this thing about them hacking into the like okay let, let, we got to back off right. a little here this is a little too hot at least the public you know at least traveling there and stuff like or, that. or uh yeah that's and you're giving you're being very charitable there no, which well, is nice you know, of that's you. that's my that's my middle name <laughs> but you know the the more sinister view is that the, the whistle had been blown yeah and they you know the game the gig was going to be up now yeah um you know that 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 it's been it, th- this has been found out. We we've got to pull out. We can't deal with Russia right publicly in this. We have to shut it down. So that you know that's 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 one way of look. You know another way of looking at it. Really, you know, really, if unless you take the most innocuous, ins- insanely innocuous view of this whole situation, that Trump was just happened to be doing a business deal. He, you know, he that he had no intention of uh, cultivating any favors from Putin. You know, it would have to be this impossible situation for this not to be, a, a, you know, a, a situation where where Donald Trump is exposed in some way, politically, legally. I mean, it's a night. It's it's the nightmare scenario. Here. Yeah, no, it 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 really is, and you can I think you can see that even. Even when he is on a major international trip with like, you know, back to back to back meetings with every foreign dignitary in the world, he's still like freaking out on Twitter right. and like totally going off, even even by his standards. Right. Pretty, pretty over the top stuff. Tell us again, title of the book, the details, where people can find it. I guess the universal Amazon is where you can find it. But give us the details so people because this is this is. 
I really got a lot out of this book. It's really good. So I recommend it to everybody. Yeah, thank you. You know, basically, you know, just to, to, to give a 10-second summary here, it's Donald Trump has been chasing Russian money for decades. And that's, the, that's what's missing from today's coverage. And that's what my book is really looking at. And it's Trump Russia, a definitive history. You can buy it. Please buy it at a bookstore, but Amazon also sells it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, um, I... You know, it's it's uh, it's doing pretty well, so I think people enjoy it. That's great. That's great. Um, let me just remind everybody that the Josh Marshall Podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. Thanks, Seth. Thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, I love it. David, talk to you next week. Bye, guys.